This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. God is so good. Um, Yeah, a new year. Is everybody ready for freshness? As we enter this new year, I... I've had some things rolling in my heart through um, the holiday break and and actually for a couple of months just looking toward this new year. And, um, you know, we had an interesting year last year. And so when you look at, okay, a new year, I thought, well, I was thinking about how we entered last year. We, If you remember, last January, we... Um, had said 2020 vision, but not vision like, oh, I have a vision, you know, and we put step one, step two, step three. But to truly have our eyes opened, to to be um, able to see what God was doing. And then we broke it down into um, five modules, five study phases, a very foundational, solid biblical teaching on the Christian experience on biblical truth, covenant, Holy Spirit, faith, healing. Um, then we got slammed into the pandemic and we're doing things online. But still there was the commitment to, we had said, give us one year of your life. Give us one year of your life. Commit to what we're going to do here for this 12 months. And you won't be the same at the end of it. And so whether or not you understand exactly what God did, even, and I say this with the greatest of um, love, you know, some may not have made the, what somebody else might say is a commitment. No condemnation. We're not taking that kind of stuff, right? We're just going to say, okay, last year had an intention in it. Um, There was learning and growth. And if you were even here one night in the whole year, God imparted something to you, and so there are things going on inside of you that you may not even be aware of. So now as we enter this new year, what's been rolling around in me for a couple of months was this phrase, coming of age, coming of age. I just kept thinking about coming of age, and, um, you know, I I can be spurred by um, pictures and, and even a phrase like to come into the year 2021. I thought about 21 and, you know, in this country we say when someone reaches 21, they have come of age. And um, so that made me think, okay, I'm thinking of coming of age. But then as I pondered further, I didn't want to get all intellectual about it. And I didn't want it to be that, okay, as children of God, we were going to look at, okay, now we got to be mature. Now we got to act like adults in the spirit. Um, I didn't want to look at all of that. And I'm like, Lord, what are you really saying to my heart? And so he began to just minister to me, you know, not a literal um, hearing him, but a hearing him the way he communicates with my heart. And so what I felt like he was saying to my heart was the truest sense of coming of age is to hit the point where you're able to realize this key truth. I am first and foremost a child of God. That's the greatest gift in the world, to have that 
revelation, to have that truth that I am very simply, you see, yes, I teach. I'm the head of the School of Word and Worship. I'm a pastor. I'm a mother, a grandmother, a sister. I'm, I'm all these things. But before I even do any of my leadership stuff, even when I come on Wednesday nights or I come on Sunday mornings, before I'm a pastor or a leader in this house, I'm a child of God. And if I don't realize that, I have no power to lead. So I felt like this coming of age that God was going to take us next step. And each one of our next steps, yours is different than mine. Each of you sitting here in this and those online, yours is different from all of ours. We have an individual next step. Can you, can you feel that and, and admit that? We don't all walk exactly the same with God. We're not at all at the same place. No matter whether our maturity is similar or not, we have individual relationships because in our family with God, each child has their own relationship with their father. And a natural family as well, right? Are you all with me? So this coming of age this year, I feel like God would want to say to all of us, the leadership of, of the school as well, that, okay, now, everything that you learned in previous years, and especially last year, as because we have to learn too. Teaching isn't just get up here and teach. Teaching is you learn and grow, or you got nothing to teach, right? So all of us together tonight are entering into a coming-of-age year. This year, here's what it's going to be. Get ready. Brace yourselves. Don't buckle your seatbelt. Unbuckle your seatbelt. Because we're going to come to a place personally, every single one of us, where we realize in our lives, it is just Jesus. It's only Jesus. No matter how much we learned last year or the year before or the decade before that or all of the decades put together. I was born again at eight. I'm 65. I've had some experiences in truth. I've had some that were God and some that weren't. You know, sometimes you have experiences in truth based on what they tell you at church, not what God speaks to your heart. No, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not dissing the church experience. I'm just saying it's really about Jesus, not our church experience. So, so this year, I'm actually feeling really excited and filled with a lot of anticipation for, for us here in this space, but also personally. And if I'm completely honest, a little bit scared, but not fear. You know, some things feel a little scary or intimidating or, ooh, off-putting when it's, it's going to be all new. I can't just say, okay, I know how to run the school. You know, that is a danger in all of us. I know what the word says. I know what it says about healing. I know what it says about money. I know what it says about evangelism, you know. But now what does Jesus want to say to us from the position of we have the truth, but as a child of God, not how I'll walk it as a church person or a leader or or a businessman or businesswoman, but as a child of God, how is Jesus going to set me free in the truth that lives within me? Y'all with me? Because I think this is going to be fun. So our coming of age, are you ready to come of age? Whatever that means. You see, I, don't, I can't define that for you. And quite frankly, right now, I can't define it for me. I'm like thinking, at my age, I got another coming of age? 
Seriously. So I think if we all agree tonight, we're open to what God wants to do by the power of the Holy Spirit with us and among us and through us this year in the School of Word and Worship. Anybody with me? And anybody online? You can go with us online, but you might find that you want to come here and get in the middle of what's happening. Just an invitation, personal invitation. Okay, so I was thinking, you know, all of this, I'm, some of what's going to come out tonight is not, okay, in the box teaching. It's my heart and what's been happening as I say, okay, God, we're entering this new year. What's up? And you know, it's really good. Last year, he kind of lined it all out. Pastor Gavin and I talked, and then there was just a lining out. And it's, it kind of works when you've got a lining out. Even though there's a flow of the Spirit, there's kind of this place where you, you're like, okay, we got this module and this. I don't have that this year, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a relief, quite honestly, Alex. <laughs> because you know what? What can happen now is all of us become a part of what will be happening here. We have been all along, but now it's time. If truly we say yes to God, what does he want to do? How is he going to move in and through each of us? Some of it is going to happen here on Wednesday nights. Some of it is going to happen in our praise and worship. Some of it is going to happen um, when you leave here. Because part of the challenge in Christianity is that we have so much of our experience that happens in four walls called the church. When in truth, we are the church. We are the habitation. This building, our services here on Sundays or Wednesdays or any other time, those are not the habitation of God. He's there. But that's not his home. We are. Y'all with me? So I was thinking, you know, we just come through the Christmas season, the Christmas holiday. And so I was thinking about, I was thinking all through the holiday about all of this. And then thinking about Mary, thinking about how Mary made time every day. She was just young, you know, when, when she fell pregnant by the Holy Spirit. But she, she was a young woman who had made space in her day, in all of her days. She had made space for her own personal interactions with God. Her own interactions with the truth, with the, the spirit, with truths from the scroll, with, with worship of God. She was letting her heart go. Even when the angel came to her to bring the news to her, to bring the word of God to her, she was worshiping. She was singing. She was adoring God. She was in a space And so the more that she, I believe, that it's pretty implicit in Scripture, if she comes to a place where an angel can come to her and give her a word and then she falls pregnant supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, she has built with God a habitation in her existence that caused her to be so vulnerable and open to truth. To the, and we all know, well, maybe we don't all know, but here's, here's a fact from Scripture The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. Truth is not a doctrine or an informational package. Truth is the very Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of truth. 
Okay, Holy Spirit. So she had built this interaction and had a rapport, if you will, with God, an openness, a vulnerability, that when the word came that day, she was so broadly open to truth, so receptive to the Spirit, that she was enabled to divinely conceive life in her womb. I think, obviously, well, I don't think I know, obviously, that is the immaculate conception. But what we have to understand is God does nothing just flat surface one picture. The immaculate conception is a picture of the power when God is God. Now, none of us are going to conceive a Savior. There's not a need for another Savior. There's one name, which is what we're dedicating our year to, just Jesus. So if God, by the living word, could come to a young woman who was actually a very young teenager, and he had built such a relationship with her that he sends a message via an angel, and she conceives in her womb. What might transpire as we yield to God, we allow our days to have space that belongs only to him. We allow that space to increase and broaden to where our lives are his space. Right? We would all love to say, my life belongs to God. I think that's wonderful, but I'd be willing to say that probably all of us in this room would have to admit our lives, we want our lives to belong to him 100%. But maybe even we don't know how yet to release certain areas. Anybody with me on that? Because I've got some areas where I really want him to own it. And I, I think I've given it to him, but then I'll find myself there again running it. Anybody else have that? Is it just me? I mean, I'm, I'm not afraid to be the only one, but I just don't think I am. So now this year, how might we make room for him? If we really say, it's just Jesus. We're not here to learn more doctrine. The doctrine is beautiful. But doctrine didn't die for me. The power of doctrine can guide me on a path. But then I don't, I might step on that path, but then not really know how to walk it out. You know, I think often preachers, teachers, ministers try to make everything so practical that we, we do so much practicality that we don't leave the space for people to go away and seek God. I mean, I could tell you what, how to make it practical from my perspective, but that may or may not help you at all, right? Are y'all with me? I think that sometimes in the church, we put the doctrines in these boxes and we say, this is how you walk in this. Are y'all with me tonight? Because I'm kind of just sharing my heart. I think there's a broad space we're entering into this year, tonight. And I think we all have to sort of say, I'm going to buy into this. You see, some of us, some of us would like the details. Like exactly what are you going to teach and what are we going to get out of this year? Because I don't want to come on Wednesday nights if I don't know what I'm going to get. What I can promise you you'll get is Jesus. Because if he has to flatten me out in the spirit, he's done it before. He's done it to where, I, 
you know, he can cause you to fall out in the spirit. He can cause you to just go into a place with him. And then there may be nights where I'm gone with him and one of the other faculty will have to take it. I mean, I'm really believing for stuff like that, that we get so gone because remember, I'm not first a leader here. I'm first a child of God. And I don't want to resist. You see, scripture talks about quenching the Holy Spirit, about, you know, moving away from him running the show to us running the show. And it's such a fine line. Would anybody agree with that? It can be such a fine line. You can say, well, I've got the truth and I'm walking in the scriptures and I'm living my life for God. And that's our intention. But there are times where he moves in and he's like, I don't want you to know everything that's happening right now. I'm going to use you and you're going to have to move with me by faith. Do you think maybe sometimes we move by knowledge, not faith? I think this is just me. I think sometimes we can learn so much about how the Holy Spirit moves that we start moving the way we've seen him move in the past and we think he's moving that way now. But we're actually just reenacting what he did. You know, the Civil War guys that are sold out to, they love the Civil War reenactment and all. It looks so real when you go watch them reenact it. But it's not the Civil War. I mean, they have guns that when they go off, you see smoke and everything. They have cannon things. But none of it is the real deal. It's not really happening. They're not really enlisted in the service. They're reenacting. They're playing. So I'm not saying any of us are intending to do that, right? So I think that we're in for some of those kind of things this year. But we're going to have to be willing. And it's not a judgment here. I'm, I'm, I got to take care of my part of it. But I think we have to be willing to say, you know, I'm, I'm willing to get filled, immersed, um, overflowed, to yield to something this year, Lord, that is the next phase of my maturity in you. This is going to be the aspects of me really coming to the place where, to an even greater degree, I practice And I step into trusting Jesus. Anybody in with me? Okay. So only then, only then are we going to see the kind of things that God wants to do in the earth. Because this this is my, this is my opinion. This is not chapters and verses. But I think God's going to wreck some things in the church, in the earth right now. Because I think there are things transpiring around us. Um, even tonight that are being done by Christians and they think, and they're doing it in the name of Jesus. And I don't think Jesus is doing it. And, and that's not a judgment. It's an observation, but I'm, I am entitled. I'm a United States citizen. So I'm entitled to observations. And so I think that in a lot of areas, it's that kind of thing where we need to say, Jesus, what really is the church to look like right now in the earth? What really will love look like? You with me? Okay. So, a couple of scriptures. Y'all have to help me with time, too, because that clock has been um, 18 minutes to 7 for two hours now. <laughs> so, so, I don't want to have the people here all night, and they, they're like, okay, she has said that already. Okay, John fourteen twenty seven, and this is the Passion Translation. I love this so much. There are times that I, I go to this scripture. Um, it's almost like... Um, a sedative. I leave the gift of peace with you. This is Jesus speaking. 
In your Bible, if you've got a red letter Bible, it's red. Don't you sometimes just want to grab your Bible and just go to the red? It doesn't even matter what he's saying. I just want to see something Jesus actually said. But this is powerful. He said, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Instead, be courageous. Part of, for me, part of the power of this particular verse is that Jesus says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. He was the Savior and is the Savior of the world. How much peace do you think Father poured on him that he would be able to walk the life he was called to live? Crazy peace. There were people that hated him and didn't even know him. People that spit on him, people that were supposed to be with him and in agreement with him that actually chose him to be the one crucified. So talk about the potential for rejection issues. The disloyalty of the people that you've walked with. So there was a peace. And so he's speaking from experience to those walking with him saying, I'm going to go, but I'm going to give you a peace. I'm going to give you the peace I've walked in. I'm going to share with you something I've actually walked in with God. You see, that's part of the power of this year. As we yield to God and we really take the gift he's given us, which is Jesus. And we say, Jesus, my whole life depends on you. My whole life depends on you, Jesus. No matter how brilliant I am, no matter how much of the truth of scripture I know, no matter how long I've been born again, no matter how many services I come to, no matter how much money I give, no matter how many people I might heal with the truth of this scripture and laying on of hands, my entire life depends on you, Jesus. Because you see, that was the power that Jesus walked in. An absolute, complete vulnerability that admitted That I am a human being which makes me fragile on this planet. And without you, I cannot even exist in life. Jesus was that committed to the Father. That's powerful, right? That's our Savior. So now he says, I'm not going to just give you the kind of peace the world could give you. You know, the world can give us peace if we need money and the bank will give us a loan. Um, we could be sad and a neighbor or friend could comfort us, but it's not going to be the same as what he brings. It's not going to be something that has such depth that you can't find the bottom of it. You can't find the end of it. It's, it's a love that no matter what you would do, it will not turn from you. crazy powerful for for Jesus to make that promise. See, that's a promise. I think we often will claim the obvious promises, healing, monetary provision, food. But what about this one, the, the promise of peace? We need it, right? And the thing, the thing is, we don't just need it personally. Every human being needs it. But the beautiful thing in walking this way with Jesus and, and what I believe he's doing this year with us here is that Once we begin to just let go into that, we can do like him. We can go and say, I'm going to bring you a peace. 
But we don't have to say my peace. I'm going to bring you Jesus' peace. I'm going to tell you about a man that when you yield to him, he will so envelop your life that you will never be the same. You see, we can go to people and say, you must be born again. Or we can go to people and say, Jesus wants to give you life so bad. One is so that we'll be legal. The other is so that we would live. Luke one seventy nine. again, the Passion Translation. The word from heaven will come to us with dazzling light to shine upon those who live in darkness near death's dark shadow. And he, and he, oh my goodness, he will illuminate the path that leads to the way of peace. He will illuminate it. You know, I think so often we think if the challenge leaves, I'll come to peace. You all know, many of you know, my family's testimony when Eli, um, at the age, he wasn't even four yet, diagnosed with leukemia. That didn't end in 15 minutes. But the peace came on the path as we watched this child go through four years of chemo and sickness and pressure and devastation. But the peace was on that path. The power of God to keep him alive, bring him to healing, and keep every member of the family as he was walking through it. You experience things that you think, how on earth does this show up on this path? Just Jesus. Just Jesus. You know, I'm going to share something of, um, because this is an incredibly um, powerful gift that God gave me one morning. Um, Eli was in a particularly difficult time, been in the hospital for weeks. And um, I just had a morning where, oh my gosh, the stuff coming against my brain was insurmountable. Um, I just, I couldn't even pray. And um, I, I said something to Jesus about what I was feeling. He answered me and he gave me a picture of what he was gonna do. At that point, um, this precious little boy was so, so physically devastated that he had begun to withdraw and just staying under his blanket, not playing his games, not, not doing it, not talking, just withdrawing. And um, his mother's so strong, she was not freaked out. I was freaking out, but not outwardly, you know, just inside. I'm like, okay, Jesus. And I know just Jesus. So he gave me a picture and he gave me this picture. It was the most beautiful thing and it kept me and I knew that he was going to do it. He, he showed me him, Jesus, going into that hospital room and he went over and he knelt down next to Eli's bed. This was a vision I was having. And, you know, you can say, well, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, I do. And I do just because it's just Jesus. And so Jesus gave me the picture that I needed so that I could continue to stay in faith with the family. He knelt next to Eli's bed and he got up under the blanket with his head and he said, 
just as sweet. I could hear him say it to Eli. He said, buddy, come back. And he began to come back. He started coming out from under the, he started all that. And I was like, only you, Jesus, only you. How Jesus did that, whether Eli even knew that that transpired, I don't know. And I haven't asked it. I haven't asked because that was something God showed my heart. But I believe Jesus did it. I believe he did it. And so this is the type of thing I'm talking about this year. I've got other things in life where I want, I want to depend on just Jesus. I want to believe Jesus is walking in those situations. I want to not just do it with quoting chapters and verses and praying prayers of faith. I want to deep inside, deep from my gut, be so yielded. And I think that's what we all want. And if we agree tonight that we're going to do this, I'm going to tell you, Jesus will come up under your blanket. He'll come to your hiding place. And he will call your spirit and your soul like nobody else can. So the peace in these two verses that's being spoken about is a Greek word. And it's... um, pronounced irene, and it's a state of rest, quietness, and calmness, an absence of strife. It's tranquility, but true tranquility, true tranquility. It generally denotes a perfect well-being. You know, it's, it's so wild because um, just recently, and Eli does this periodically, He'll be like fed up with stuff because he's got two brothers, you know, a brother and a sister. And, um, you know, siblings can be a hoot and a half. And especially if you're an intricate personality like he is. And so he uh, recently told his mom, I need, I need to call Mimi and Pop. I, I, need, I need some time. <laughs> and uh, so he, he called and he said, can, can I just come hang for a couple of days? Because I, I just, I need some alone time. So he doesn't hide under blankets, but he does hide out at our house and, and just be himself without anybody else saying anything. Irene includes harmonious, this is such a beautiful part, harmonious relationships between God and men, men and men, and women and women and men and women, you know, human to human, and nations and families. This piece is something that permeates and does a rebirthing of sorts. It resurrects things. This piece has a power that is beyond. Um, remember at Jesus' birth and, and the angel spoke of peace on earth. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. God's intention in releasing Jesus into this realm, in releasing a human who would learn to walk fully human, but also fully yielded and fully filled. His intention in that was that we would all learn something quite profound. Jesus, as Prince of Peace, gives peace to those who call upon him for personal salvation. And I think it's important at this point to... For us to remember, when we speak of Jesus as the Savior and that he brings salvation, of course it is at the moment that we're reborn, when we're born again, the salvation. 
But it's not just that. It's not just that. God's not willing that we perish in any area. He's not willing that we perish in our thinking, that we feel downcast, that our countenance or our soul or our mindset or our will is depleted at all. That's not his will. He's not willing that we perish. So he comes as Savior In some of the wildest moments, he came to me as Savior that morning. He came as Savior. He's coming to people tonight as Savior. That peace that he brings has the power of resurrection in it. And so as we allow him to do that inside of us and pull us closer, there are people around us that are going to experience resurrection power through peace and calm and tranquility as we exude a different spirit onto the planet. John 16:33 again the passion translation. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you. And will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. You know, the, I think we, we think of Jesus conquering the world in his, because Jesus is God. So he conquered the world. But we need to understand that he walked as a human. He conquered all the things in the world, the same stuff that torments us, the same temptations we have, the same human experiences where we could falter and go down the wrong road. He had the same temptations because the Bible says that he was tempted in every way that we were. But I believe that the power was that he so trusted the God and he was so immersed in the love of the Father and the Father's confidence and pride in him that Anytime he had those temptations or those challenges or, you know, people are hating my guts, Father. I mean, like, I I can't even help them. They don't like me. Ever felt like that? Like, you can't help somebody because they don't even like you? I mean, I think sometimes we put Jesus on such a high pedestal that we think he's never had people treat him like they treat us. You know, we focus so much on his immaculate conception in his mother's womb, his birth in the manger, the power of the Son of God being born, and then we focus on his death and resurrection and ascension. But there's a whole 33-year life where he had to live as a human on planet Earth. It's a rocky place. It's beautiful. Are you with me? I mean, it's pretty crazy. Okay. The Amplified says of that phrase, but you must be courageous. This is what the Amplified says. Be certain, confident, undaunted. Undaunted. See, that morning, sitting on my sofa, when Jesus came to me, he was already there, right? But we get pictures. He likes to paint pictures for us. He likes us to feel the experience of him coming to us as a friend, a comforter, a helper. Not just, well, he's here, so why don't I feel right? No, he says, I'll literally paint pictures for you. I was daunted that morning. 
I had hit a point where physically, emotionally, I was daunted. My soul was sinking in the facts. And he came. And I'm going to tell you, when I left that morning, I was a different person. The facts hadn't instantly changed. But Jesus had brought peace that I knew would not only permeate my soul, but he was going. He showed me in my heart he would be there with Eli. You see, that's all I needed to know was not, not that, that Jesus is with those of us mature enough to understand the incarnation and the new birth and all, but that he was there with my grandson. That saved my soul that day. Because if Jesus is there holding Eli, he will be fine. If Jesus is speaking to his little heart, he'll be fine. Because his words never are voided out. Acts 4.12. Y'all with me? Acts 4.12. There is no one else who has the power to save us. If you don't get anything else tonight, let this rest, literally rest on your brain, in your soul, and in your heart. There is no one else who has the power to save us. For there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation. You see, that's God's intention toward us was that salvation would come. As we yield ourselves to that name. I don't know about you, but this year, and this is the end of that verse, the name of Jesus. That's the one name. This year and so, I personally am intending, you know, I've thought up to this point, I've been completely yielded. And I I think I was as yielded as I could be up to this point. I believe now he's saying, okay, I'm going to back up a little because there's more. And you see, it's not like more like on this little line. It's like, okay, Kathy, I'm going to give you broader, broader vision, broader perspective. This is beautiful. It's wonderful that you have these doctrines living in you. But now what are we going to do with them? Because you see the power of me having these doctrines. And if I know anything tonight, me knowing these doctrines isn't so I can stand up here and teach you. Though it's a privilege and a pleasure. But it's so that I can live. And if I'm honest with you about that, then you can live too. If I can help you to understand, don't hang anything on my teachings or anyone else's teachings. Go away and take those truths and say, Jesus, what does this mean to me? The salvation spoken here in that particular verse, Acts 4.12, is deliverance. This is so vast. It's so vast. Just like, you know, close your eyes and let the fences go down. And, and let, because it's, it's not about you doing the Bible right. It's not about you coming on Wednesday nights. It's not about you doing the Christian works, getting people born again. It's not about anything like that. We will do those things, but that's not what it's about. This salvation is deliverance 
preservation, soundness, soundness. Do you understand that insanity doesn't just come on people? Losing your mind comes one thought at a time. It's prosperity of all kinds, spirit and soul and body. It's material, it's spiritual, it's just prosperity that is beyond. You cannot even think in terms of the prosperity that this speaks of. It's happiness. I think some Christians are so caught up in it needs to be spiritual and serious and sacred. And, and, and happiness is sacred. Happiness is not a dirty word. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes we say, well, let's say it this way, joyful. That sounds more Christian. You know, the joy of the Lord. You know, I don't have to be happy. I just need to be strong in joy. <laughs> I think the garden was a really happy place. Like it was pretty. It was peaceful. I mean, seriously, like you didn't even need clothes. <laughs> seriously, but think about that. I mean, we wear clothes now because, you know, like, we're not supposed... I mean, we just have minds that can't handle that. Like, seriously. Little children don't think like that, though. You know how I've told you guys about Ben and his naked run before his bath? When he... As soon as he could walk, he was like our big, long hallway. He just... Then when he could talk, yeah, I want to do the naked run. He's not thinking like, okay, they can see my body. He's not thinking about any of that. He's like, oh, finally, I'm free. Can I say to you tonight, Jesus would like to be able to undress his bride. You know, like take off some of the fake clothing that you think makes you look like you're married to me. You know, like I'm not a chick who's going to be running around in dresses. Uh, Don't hold your breath. But Jesus is like, okay, just take off some of the stuff that like, don't wear your dresses. Don't wear nothing. Don't wear your church stuff. I'm not... Don't come here naked next week, okay? Like physically naked. <laughs> and those of you online, don't, don't think we can start in a cult of some sort here. But seriously, we've got some things that we think are so Christian. And Jesus is like, no wonder you're so bound. Yeah. Happiness. Rescue. This salvation speaks of rescue. I needed rescuing that morning from my own thinking. And from the facts. And from medical information. General well-being. <laughs> it's okay to experience well-being. And it is okay to experience well-being when everything is wackadoodle. It is okay in spite of the fact that many during this pandemic year have had devastation. I'm so sorry for all of that. And I would cry with anyone who has lost someone or, you understand, businesses, money, human life, It's dreadful. But at the same time, in the midst of all of it, there is still goodness from God. And we don't help people by just sinking into the place where they are. So this is why just Jesus. Jesus is going to help us to be compassionate, empathetic, but not to sink to a level where we can't even help them. The word in the Greek is used both in a material temporal sense but also in a spiritual, eternal sense. And so I think this year, um, some of this Just Jesus is going to be that 
we're going to not just be spiritually sound and um, flow with the Holy Spirit in what would be the obvious spirituality, growth, and maturity yielding to Jesus, but we're going to have some fun. We're going to be happy. Sometimes it's not going to look serious. Don't freak out. It's been a while in this place that I've seen manifestations of the joy of the Lord that was really obviously joyful happiness. And yet I've seen it when the manifestation of it was shocking. Uh, Shocking. Uh, Yeah, shocking. And it was just him. There was nothing else happening to bring laughter and and energy and exuberance. So are you all with me? I'm going to close and I'm going to pray. And um, as I pray... If, if you personally don't even, ra- you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to do anything outward. This is between you and him. Everything this year is between you and him. Okay. But if you truly want to release your heart and just agree, we're just going to come in agreement tonight and we're going to let him know who's, how far we're each in. But here's the power. If we even have the least little inkling of faith that, oh, I want to be in on this. That's all it takes because we're all putting our faith together, right? So God knew how he wanted to designate this year. So he's already said yes to us. And he says, if y'all just put your lives together, it'll be enough faith. And I'm going to do what I'm going to do this year. Does that sound cool? Okay. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that you're the one that made it just Jesus. You're the one that gave us the privilege and the freedom that we... Our salvation, our joy, our happiness, it doesn't depend on us. Yes, there are things that we need to yield to. But we realize that the power to bring it to pass, it really is relationship only with you, Jesus. And so we thank you, Father God, that as you have said, label this year, designate this year, just Jesus, only Jesus. We all say yes, yes to that. Whatever that means for me, Father God, as as a leader here, I yield to it as your daughter, your child first. And I thank you, Father, that you give each person the strength and the nerve and the willingness just to be vulnerable quietly in themselves right now with you, to say, yeah, I want to grow in this. I want to just lean into you, Jesus. And I just thank you, Father God, that there's going to be all kinds of deliverance, all kinds of freedom, happiness, healing, provision, things that we wouldn't even maybe think about or ask for, even freedom and how we let you flow through us. We say this, Jesus, to you. Thank you so much. Thank you ahead of time. Thank you ahead of time. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given me testimonies where I can stand before these beautiful people and say, you really can trust him. And you will go underneath their blanket. And you'll call them to come to you, to come in closer. So we just commit this to you. We thank you for what's going to go on now every week and throughout the intermittent days. Just you, Jesus. Just you. We're going to really give you the praise and the honor and the right to be number one in our lives with this particular year. And so, in Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Have a great week here.